into the contest. It's Thursday, the 24th of June. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And of course, uh, Sydney is going into a little bit of restrictionville and right on time for the school holiday. Shane, what are you going to do with the kids? Shoot me in the head, Tim. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's funny, mate. You, you send your kids to private school, you work hard to do it, and um, they get more holidays, mate. So it's, it's going to be tough work. But hey, we'll, we'll deal with it. And hopefully it's not going to be bad weather as well when we're all locked down in one house and... Yeah, um, as I said, shoot me, mate. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you can get some cooking lessons going or something. See, on a brighter note, you have an opportunity to win here on Afternoon Sport. Follow us on Facebook, our Afternoon Sport Facebook page, or on Twitter, and uh, you could go in and uh, possibly win for yourself a signed Western Sydney Wanderers soccer ball. So get that going today. Now, Drew Jones is on the show from Fox Sports News. So much to talk about in the AFL and all the motorsport. There's a stack. John Thompson's with us. So, Shane, Michael Vaughan has come out, and, and I think Kevin Peterson said the same thing, that the Ashes should be cancelled because they can't bring their families. Yeah. That's not going to happen, is it? No, it's not going to happen, mate. It's four months. Um, it's very rare that uh, Kevin Peterson and, and Michael Vaughan agree on something, but they seem to agree that uh, it's a long way, a long time away from the family. Yes, it is, but um, they are professional sportsmen. This is the biggest uh, series I, I can remember both for England and Australia, in, in a long time. And, um, mate, they're just going to have to come. And uh, those who potentially don't want to play, well, they're doing their country a disservice, mate. So they've got to get out here and play. It's going to be a fantastic series. What do you think some of the older players who used to go over on boats for, for longer than that? Yeah, well, that's right. You know, the old guys used to be, be away for six six months at, at a time. And, um, you know, I think... Uh, yeah, you know, some of them probably enjoyed it as well. <laughs> but saying that, but yeah, it's look, it, it is four months. It, it is a big, big commitment. But but you're a professional sportsman. That's your job. Yeah, I oh, know. It's it's that that is a that is a yep. paltry excuse. It's a, it's a yep. modern day excuse. Take yes. a take a spoonful of cement. This is afternoon sport uh, coming up next. All the latest AFL. Drew Jones is here. AFL, well, Sydney and GWS got out of town, got out of Sydney to Melbourne for safety. Who would have thought that three weeks ago? It's a crazy old world. From Fox Sports News, it's Drew Jones. Drew, uh, it, we were talking to you a few weeks ago where you, you'd closed the shutters for a couple of weeks and look, it looks like we're headed that way in Sydney. Boys, great to be with you. I'm feeling for the, our brothers and sisters in New South Wales at the moment. Stay strong. We definitely know how it feels um, and we're happy to play host. We love our footy, so we'll have all 18 teams here. Send the rugby league here. Send it all here. We love sport, so we're happy to, to help in any way we can. Um, and, yeah, it's the shoe is on the other foot in many ways, but happy to help. Well, at least we're stuck at home with kids on school holidays we'll be able to watch sport, albeit in Melbourne, mate. But um, I, w- I want to start with um, with Josh Selwood. Um, he's copped some unfair criticism, I believe. The, the guy's played well, close to 323 games. Um, he has a 73%. Uh, win rate for Geelong and yes he can milk a penalty but I, I just feel he's copying some really unfair criticism over these couple of incidents. Interesting isn't it Shane that um, this discussion around Joel it's done two things for me and one of them is very positive it's made me reflect on his amazing yeah. career and record so Ooh. far so you mentioned it 323 games um, he's probably one of the greatest winners 
in modern AFL history. So essentially since he walked in the door at Geelong, which I think was about 2005, maybe 2006 draft, they've just won every year. And he's been a massive part of that. Cam Mooney, who won a couple of flags um, at Geelong, talks about how Joel Selwood walked in as an 18-year-old and he single-handedly helped lift the standards of the football club as an 18-year-old. Like that's mm-hmm. an incredible thing to consider that someone who hadn't played a game of senior football has the ability to have that an effect on a, on a club and he's ruthless. And part of being a ruthless competitor who plays on the edge is what happened last Friday night. So yep. the, at that moment with Bailey Dale, where he makes mm. contact with his face, no doubt he oversteps the mark there, but we've all played sport at varying levels. I must stress, um, <laughs> but, but like, you know, Shane playing elite sport, there are moments where I'm sure you know, the the red mist descends to an extent, you know, like and you bowl a delivery aiming at a batter's head or, you know, you want to smash a bowler out of the park. And in Joel Selwood's case, it's that he's getting down and dirty. He's trying to win a game for his football side and he gets a bit too aggressive. So 100%, mate. And when that competitive, when those competitive juices kick in, um, something overtakes you and you, and sometimes you, you, you go a little bit too far. And, and that's not what I'm saying. Like the guy has been an unbelievable ambassador for the game. And yes, he overstepped the mark there, but God, give the guy a break, you know? Oh, and it's up to the umpires, isn't it? It's up to the umpires to work it out. Like there, there's rules in place. If someone's overstepped the rules, trying to, to milk it or trying to push the edges, and I'm not just speaking specifically about Joel Selwood, because this is the heat of battle, like you've just both mentioned. And the the game did go down to a Gary Rowan uh, goal in, you know, when the bell had gone, when the siren had gone. So... I mean, what do you do? Don't you think, Drew, the umpires have got a, you know, the onus of care here? Yeah, 100%. Yep, and I, I think there's been some over-the-top stuff, which has been pointed out by the coach and then by you, Shane. Mm-hmm. And then I think the most common sense discussion that I've heard about this this week is that uh, you bring in a suspended sentence. So, mm-hmm. so Joel essentially, he gets his, his little fine, which is just a, a slight hit to the the hit pocket but if we see that same sort of action or incident again in say the next you know you might make it a year or six months then that's when you get the one game ban so yeah we can accept you've made a mistake in the heat of the moment but if we see that as repeat behavior that's when we'll we'll trigger maybe a one game ban so i think that's that's a an appropriate response if they want to really stamp that out of the game but to you know, to attempt to assassinate the character of Joel Selwood is is certainly over the top. Yeah, I remember my mum getting pulled over for the first time after forty years of driving without losing any points, and uh, the police officer said, "Look, you're right, you let it go because of exemplary record." So very similar for him, I reckon. Now, listen, let's look forward to some of the matchups for the coming round. Um, Brisbane Geelong tonight. The, the game I'm really looking forward to this weekend is West Coast v the Bulldogs. Very interesting game, isn't it? And yeah. close to my heart because I, I would say the Dogs are sort of my Melbourne team um, yep. and obviously Eagles, the, the team of my youth from Perth. So um, West Coast will announce tonight at the selection table some pretty major recalls. So mm. their captain, Luke Shuey, who's a Norm Smith medalist, um, probably got three Brownlow votes in his only game this season when the Eagles beat Port Adelaide and then he did mm. his action really badly. He's had surgery. Uh, he's going to come back into the side. Tim Kelly hurt his knee pretty badly about four weeks ago. 
has recovered better than expected. We know how good he is in the midfield. And then Brad Shepard, Jeremy McGovern, um, two All-Australians there to welcome back into defence. So West Coast is starting to get the cavalry back um, and starting to look as though they could be a threat Yeah, you know, come the pointy end of the season if they can get it all right. Um, and the Western Bulldogs coming off a loss after the siren, as you mentioned, they didn't do too much wrong. Um, they lost a bit of gas, you reckon? Yeah, no doubt. And and they've lost, as we know, a couple of key players to injury mm. in Trelaw and Dunkley through the midfield. Um, and David King broke this down on AFL 360 really well. That uh, It just takes away a little bit from everyone else. And they've, mm. they've probably just lost a bit of their edge in the midfield. That's where West Coast potentially can get them. Um, this is going to be a cracking game. Yeah. Um, there's weapons all over the park. You've got potentially the Brownlow medalist in Marcus Bontempelli running around playing ridiculous footy. So looking forward to that one. It's a shame we have to wait till Sunday, yes. but it's going to be a really interesting round of footy, no doubt. Yeah, that, that return of Jack Viney as well for Melbourne is an enormous shot on the arm for them. Uh, look, still top of the table, a little bit of a wobble, a little bit of a mid-season wobble. That's the kind, as we wrap it up, Drew, that's the kind of injection a football team needs. Yeah, so Jack Viney is sick for the footy, the way that he attacks the ball. He, he's got, It's head down, bum up. And he is ferocious in the way that Joel Selwood is, in the way that he attacks the contest, the ball, the man. So to have him come back into the side um, is massive for the Ds. Everyone's allowed one bad game. And Melbourne had that before the bye against Collingwood. And yes, the emotion of Nathan Buckley's farewell game potentially plays a part as well. But um, you'd think the Ds bounce back. Essendon... While they've been a little bit sprightly with their young players, expect the Demons to make a statement at the MCG in front of some fans as well on Saturday night. Yeah, we need the Sydney Swans to uh, to kick, mate. They're, they're on a bit of a lull at the moment too against Port Adelaide this weekend. So fingers crossed for the Swannies. Yeah, go the Swannies. Go yeah. the Swannies. Drew, it's always good to chat. Let's talk soon. Boys, take care and uh, looking after the kids, school holidays. <laughs> just, show, just show them Kane Williamson's coolness under pressure. Yep, steady the ship, as they say. Yep, steady the ship. Mm. He came Williamson through this period. (laughs) All right, catch you later. On your voice. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, Daniel Ricciardo is getting back into a bit of form. John Thompson to break it all down. Rugby, it's a game they play in heaven. Look out for our podcast, The Running Game, where Matt Dunning joins me, Tim Gilbert. Each week, we speak to players, coaches and legends of the game. We look at the game from every angle at all levels, from test rugby, the club game, city to country and the way it's played at school. The Running Game. Come find us on your podcast app. Motorsport, I absolutely love it, and no one knows more about motorsport than John Thompson, and he is our man. How are you, Tomo? Very well, thanks, Tim. Now, uh, let's start, Tomo, with uh, Mercedes outstrategized by Red Bull. Yeah, absolutely. The French Grand Prix last weekend. Uh, Mercedes-Benz got a really good start, and uh, they undercut uh, Max Verstappen with Lewis Hamilton. For those people who don't know what that means, they brought him in early. Mm. He banged in some very fast laps, did a very fast pit stop and, and got back out and led the race and was looking good. They'd always had a one-stop strategy for the French Grand Prix. The Red Bull team, they surprised them by doing a two-stop strategy. Mm. Max Verstappen was behind. He came back in, got, very, uh, got new tyres towards the end of the race, and he actually caught and passed Lewis Hamilton to win the race. So... Mm. A lot of egg on the face at Mercedes-Benz at the moment. They had 
a very ordinary race, the one before in uh, Baku, and now yeah. this time they were out-strategized by, by Red Bull and Max Verstappen's extended his lead in the championship. Yeah, they've got very lofty ambitions. They won't be happy with what's going on. Now, Daniel Ricciardo, he looked a lot more comfortable, didn't he, if I can say that? Absolutely. He uh, passed his young teammate Lando Norris at the start and led for most of the race. Uh, unfortunately, he was the victim of a bit of... Uh, I don't know, not poor strategy, but he came in a little bit earlier than Lando Norris. And so towards the end of the race, Lando Norris had better tyres on, was able to get some um, good laps in. And he only finished one place in front of uh, of Daniel Ricciardo, but Daniel mm. Ricciardo looked the goods. He was passing a lot of drivers very fast. And, uh, yeah, I think he's got his mojo back. And, again, this weekend uh, in Austria, there's a potential for some rain which uh, plays into Daniel Ricciardo's hands. He's very good in the wet, and uh, he likes the the Red Bull ring at um, uh, in Austria. So, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, maybe the corner's been turned. He's got a bit of confidence and comfort with the car and that he's going to be able to take the fight up to not only Lando Norris, but some of the other uh, front runners as well. Oh, well said. Uh, the Moto2GP, uh, Remy Gardner wins again. Yeah, he is on fire, Remy Gardner. He is just looking the goods. He had a, a fantastic race in Germany last weekend and uh, really was the dominant force in Moto2. He now has won three races in a row. That's the first time any Australian has ever wow. won three in a row at an intermediate category like Moto2. Uh, or 125s or 250s, as they were known before. And, uh, of course, we've confirmed that he's going up to MotoGP next year with the KTM team. So he'll be in the top category alongside Jack Miller, who in the MotoGP category on the weekend looked good um, and was very fast to start with. But, again, the tyres went away from him and he finished, um, I think, sixth. He still scored some points. He's still third in the championship, but... uh, he was pretty disappointed with the, the performance overall. And uh, they go, they've got another back to back race series this weekend. They go to Assen for the Dutch TT or Dutch Grand Prix. Um, and uh, that's always a great track. Hundreds of thousands of uh, Dutchmen turn out, Dutch people turn out for, mm-hmm. for that race. It's, a, it's an enormous event in, in Holland. Now, a mate of mine, Mick Doohan, his name is back in the headlines. Jack, of course, in the F3. And, and Mick gave uh, Mark Marquez a call. Yeah, absolutely. Mark Marquez, of course, a, a tremendous win at Saxon Ring uh, after really a fraught maybe 18 months uh, since he badly broke his arm, made a comeback. He broke it again. So he's had a really tough time of things. But he was really on top of things at Saxon Ring and did a great job. And as you say, McDoohan gave him a call because uh, like McDoohan, he's a multiple uh, world championship winner. Uh, and a Honda hero, and um, McDoohan had to come back from that massive accident where he broke yep. his tibia and almost lost his yeah. leg. Interestingly, or ironically, at 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 the Aston Circuit in Holland. Um, but um, yeah, and as you mentioned, McDoohan's son Jack Doohan won his first Formula Three race, uh, F three race uh, at uh, Le Castellet at, in France at the French Grand Prix last weekend. A great drive in the wet. Um, to uh, to beat the series leader and Jack Doohan uh, now leads. Uh, sorry, he's in third place in the Formula Three mm. championship, and he's only eighteen. Jack only eighteen, and they head to the next round at, at uh, the Red Bull Ring this weekend as well. So, what, so what does that mean for for a young guy like Jack to to, to win a Formula Three race? Where, where to from him as an eighteen year old? Does he get signed at an early age? What what's the story? Well, um, 
the, the it's the ladder to Formula One. Um, yeah. Daniel Ricciardo raced in Formula Three, won some races. He was identified by Red Bull and and taken on that on that ladder. Um, uh, Oscar Piastri, uh, another Australian, won the Formula Three championship last year. He's in Formula Two this year, and mm. uh, he's doing very well in that. And he's been identified as a potential driver for uh, Renault uh, in the mm. next couple of years in Formula One. So it is you know, a talent identification situation, if you like. They, gotcha. They get to race at the top level on the Grand Prix circuits, but in in lesser cars, if you like. And so it's it's like I suppose coming up through the ranks in in uh, rugby or rugby league and and also in, in cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just finally, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, he's, uh, he's drinking the right water this year, isn't he? Absolutely. He had a bit of a, uh, a, a dip in form, if you like, at uh, the Bend in South Australia and at uh, Winton, at, uh, in Tasmania, I should say. But uh, he came back with two fine wins on the weekend. The other race was won by Chas Mostert, so it was a... Um, uh, a clean sweep for the uh, for the old Holdens, um, if you want to call on that still. And uh, Shane Van Gisbergen's extended his lead, but um, there's some interesting stuff happening in behind the scenes at uh, Supercars. Um, Supercars have given the Australian Grand Prix an ultimatum. They must know that the AGP is on, uh, and they've given them a deadline by the first of September. If they can't tell them that it's definitely going to happen by then, the supercars probably won't be on the grid at mm. um, Albert Park for that scheduled race in November. Um, it may not happen anyway. Who knows? Uh, because they've got a very tight schedule between uh, Pukekohe in New Zealand. They've got to ship the cars back the week after the Grand Prix on the 21st of November or the schedule for the Grand Prix on the 21st of November. They've got a race mm. on the Gold Coast. So that's going to be a tough one. And the other thing is, apparently, um, the supercar organisation, the, um, the whole circus is up for sale. About 10 years ago, Archer Capital uh, paid $160 million for it. Um, they've taken a bit of a bath on it. The current going rate, they say, is probably about $65 million. So mm. they've uh, they've hosed $100 million theoretically. So we'll wait and see what happens and, and, pl- and pans out there. That's a big bath, Tomo. <laughs> might, be, might, be might be a renovator's <laughs> delight with the new cars coming on board. Tomo, always good to chat. We'll talk soon. Good on you guys. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today to our guests, Drew Jones and John Thompson. Thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Sports. www.spartansportshq.com And, of course, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow afternoon for a daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.